You're listening to the Global Ooj Podcast, where every week we learn about the world through the eyes of entrepreneurship. With your host, Ujwal Velagapudi. Townships in South Africa usually refer to the residential areas in which non-white workers were forced to live prior to 1994 when South Africa became an inclusive democracy, ending apartheid. As you can imagine, this had a significant impact on the lives of non-white families from education, access to technology, and just the basic overall infrastructure. So when you're looking to learn how to use basic technology to get into a better university or train to get a job, but have never had much experience with using a computer and basic applications, what do you do? That's precisely the service that Luvuyo Rani and his company, Cellulo Lutho Technologies, have been providing to help train and provide resources in underserved townships. They've trained over 55,000 students, helping them land jobs, and they also serve as an internet cafe with over 45 locations across South Africa, employing hundreds and impacting countless others. Lavoyo has been recognized on the global stage numerous times, including South Africa's Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award at the World Economic Forum. He takes us through his very humble beginnings, his growth since he started in 2004, and his plans for the future expansion across Africa. Lavoyo, you've been at it for quite some time, uh, 15, 16 years, right? So uh, could you share a little bit about exactly what Cellulo Technologies is and what you guys do and um, how you guys actually started? Okay. No, thanks so much. I mean, thanks so much for inviting me to to speak and share. It's been 16 years now, um, Jenny. Uh, started from a humble beginning. Um, it's a kind of a story, story of uh, um, rags for riches um, in the sense that I used to be a teacher in one of the townships, second biggest township in South Africa. And then from South Africa point of view, it was a time where the country was transforming, transforming um, from liberations now. So it was probably 10 years um, since 1994. Um, so I resigned from a teacher and I saw a need of the teachers that were struggling with computers at that time. So I started selling second-hand computers in the boot of a car. So I used to drive to Corsa Light, selling this refurbished to teachers and um, teachers were were buying these computers and then they would put them in the room divider but no one have skilled them to use the computers so i saw a need of um putting the cafe the internet cafe and hoping that they would come in the cafe and use the computers and and then after two years running the business in the boot of a car with my brother going to different um, school without funding without support just like we are hungry to sell this, I mean, computer. It was before times of mobile. It was just a time that we are hoping that mm-hmm. we can have more houses having desktop now. And then after that, we saw teachers not coming in after we opened the cafe. It was also difficult even to open the cafe to find the space, so the cafe. And then we realized that the digital divide, it's bigger than teachers. It's kind of like community. So people can access connectivity in terms of the internet, struggle to find employment, struggling to study further. And then we started training. We opened a school, which training, I mean, unemployed youth would pass to high school. Uh, we kind of a bridge after high school looking for employment. So 
And because of the Cape Town, Western Cape, it's kind of like the call center, retail stores, and the government department needed, I mean, um, more of the agriculturals and more, of, I mean, I mean, youth for computers. And then we started training now, 207, and then training changed our businesses because we have become one-stop center now. Mm-hmm. And we open these centers now across the township. So we're focusing, we never go to um, Santin or El Sabab, we're focusing in area where there's no infrastructure, no connectivity, no access. So we bring 45 uh, seater um, computers and then we'll divide it into two, 25 will be training and then 20 will be business center where unemployed youth can come in to access from the computers where looking for them, putting CV and then applying for the jobs and doing their business plan, doing their profile, and then getting copy. So, so we have a side. And then the back room of the kind of like we divide into two, it's a training now. We're training basic end user skill, social media skill, digital marketing skills. And so we're training at the back in terms of like a one-stop center. So we, we pivot the, the, I mean, we scale the, the, the model of, opening in the different areas now, in the rural villages, in the township, which is like um, in the smaller towns, we're putting these centers now. Um, we we expanded in different provinces now, beyond the Western Cape in terms of across Africa. And to cut the story, I mean, like we currently have trained about 55,000 students. They've trained for us 50% of them. They're wow. finding employment. They are studying further start their business. We have about 45 centers across these three provinces. We employed about 250 staff members in a day in our centers. I mean, before COVID, probably used to see about 200 in one center. People are coming in different reasons now. And so with the COVID impact now, we have to digitalize and move online. And then we, we pivot, I mean, in terms of like all, all the training now, so where we've got a blended training, also online training, we also having business services that, I mean, assisting um, part of the community in terms of remotely and the training now, the content now. So we're driving now skill-based content, like coding, like, I mean, uh, software development, I mean, sales, customer sales, like that we're driving in, we're driving more on the cashier course, I mean, so someone can come in for us for shorter, so they can find employment quicker. So that's how we mm-hmm. we are we are driving in terms of so so the opportunities to expand even beyond South Africa now in terms of like Lesotho, Zimbabwe, and and, and scale it and we can scale it. In, I mean, uh, through the franchise or also through own stores now. So that's how we we've, we've we've kind of like evolved over the last sixteen years. That's that's amazing. I mean, that's that's absolutely amazing. The uh, which I didn't know was you're helping people out in those areas that are most in need. You know, you're not in the hot cities where there already is the infrastructure. You're in cities that uh, are lacking a lot of this and assisting people that um, maybe the first time they're stepping into and having that access is at one of your centers. So you said uh, fifty five thousand people is how many people you've touched across the years 
uh, that have uh, been impacted and been trained uh, with your team or by your team. Uh, how many centers again did you say uh, ac- across South Africa? Like we've got um, um, okay. all of the all of the centers are in the informal areas. Um, um, so out of the forty five, sixteen of them are owned by franchise. So and then mm. on, on the sixteen, eight of them are owned by former staff members. So we'll go to funders oh, wow. and ask funders to fund them. So they can able to own up the some of the stores. That's absolutely amazing. I, I just I just love that. Uh, how did you expand in those early days? What I mean, you said like you said it was completely bootstrapped. It was very humble beginnings. Um, what was that stage where you said, okay, we've got these internet cafes, and now we're going into training? Was it a natural natural progression, or was it? Uh, did you have any funding or by that time where was it uh, profitable to a substantial point where you could say, you know what, let's go and um, diversify our our services? Oh, no, no, no. It, it never been any funding. I mean, like we, we, it was not driven. It was driven in Rafaela. It was also about opportunity. So when we start, we're selling second-hand computer, refurbished computers. So when we see that customer buying the refurbished, but they can't use them. So we're hoping to have entire cafe that they can come in and use the cafe. But after I opened the cafe, they were not coming in. And then we realized, no man, we need to have a model where it's cafe plus the training, plus IT support, plus sales. So it becomes a one-stop center. So the training comes in now as a kind of like where we train. So but training becomes like um, one of the impactful businesses that change our business in the sense that now we're skilling many unemployed youth to who are first timers to find employment that they can be able to to find employment. So once they've been employed, they'll come back and buy a device. Once they kind of like they want more kind of content, come back to us. Wow. So they just keep progressing within within your network. So how uh, you said forty five locations is and you said it's just within South Africa right now, but you do have plans to expand to other regions? Well, I mean, like, we, we are in, even South Africa, I mean, like, we've got about nine provinces. We are in three provinces now. So we're on the coast of South Africa. we kind of, like, coming in now, inland now. So the next phase of skyscaling is going to be inland. Um, so we kind of, like, in, in a space where we're still looking at self-funding expansion or uh, franchise, or we might, for the first time now, looking for the equity partner to scale up quicker within the next three years to make sure that we probably have a 200 centers across South Africa. Then through that, we start, I mean, like looking at neighboring countries now and opening up. We already have many interest. People want to come in. And we also already have, I mean, I mean, guys from Zim, Congo who work with us as part of the staff and they want to go home to open these kind of centers. Yeah, that would be amazing. Even as a, one of, a former staff member, as a franchisee, opening in their country. So could you tell a little bit more about who actually is using the services and go a little bit more in depth about kind of the situation, why they are coming, why why they don't know how to use a computer till that point or under, don't understand the basic um, you know, social media skills, digital marketing. What did they do before and why are they now looking to um, get trained on this? And how exactly are you able to help them land that job? I mean, like, if you understand this, in South African, I mean, kind of history, I mean, 
So you've got the township, which is like the the ghettos. You've got the township that were designed by the apartheid system for housing black people to become a labor. So we've got those townships who are probably 30 or 40 kilometers away from town. So you've got across the country. So there were no infrastructure, there were no developments, there were no kind of thinking that those townships would grow to become the hub of South Africa now. So, so, so from a connectivity access, there's a problem around people they can access in connectivity. That's one part. Two, you come from a school, even for myself, the first time I touched computer, it was university. So in my school, I never had computers. So you still have school even today, but with the COVID that is taking place even where we are now, they don't have infrastructure at school. They don't have computers at school that they can able to touch. And thirdly, you've got similar. I mean, like they pass a grade 12, they have to go in, in university or have to find employment. They never touch computers. They don't know anything in terms of like just even to use basics computer. They might have a mobile. They can have maybe go to social media in terms of, but they can't type a document. But these individuals, they have to find employment. So the, the fact that they have to be coming for us now will become a key. So when they go to university or they find employment or they study, I mean, they, they, they look for, for running their own businesses, it becomes a basic key now to have this key. So, that, I mean, you can run your business well because you can connect it digitally. You could find employment well because you could able to look for online to find employment. So this is the biggest problem in terms of that child divide now. As we talk about now on Zoom, on, on, on team, the bulk of the people, they're not at all. I mean, the, this, this kind of COVID has opened up now that there's a huge disparities, there's huge gaps are happening in, 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 in the communities to extend people now, they don't have way and other thing that also becomes a problem the data is quite expensive so they can afford to pay from the internet connectivity now so they will, even business people they will say it's better for me to come to your centers because i mean i can spend an hour i pay only 10 lunch it's one dollar i'm less, less than dollar in terms of paying that in terms of that so i can able to instead of using my device that i'm going to pay 100 rand and then I prefer to come because it's cheaper now. Because our price are based on affordability, are based on volume now. So it's a gap that is not being addressed by big businesses, by the government. It's still there. No one is looking at addressing that gap. So hence, you still find, you still continue finding young people who are desperately looking for employment that they will have to do basic skills now that comes in. And now it becomes like lifelong learning now, more than basically now so that you can come back and do more, even if you're working. That, that's honestly got to be such an amazing feeling to know that you've helped that many people over the years. And so the average age, so you said after 12th standard, uh, 12th grade, you're either needing to go to university or finding a job. Um, and so that's, is that the average age, would you say, after 12th grade to get training or is it after university even because you said even at the university level they may or may not have access to the computer so uh, typically what's the average age and the point in life where uh, students come to you so i mean um before COVID, i mean the the we're focused on youth 18 to 35 
So 70% of the customer mm-hmm. were youth. So youth who are, um, they've done their high school, they're looking for university, they look for employment, they look at starting their own enterprise. So we're focused on that kind of youth who want to um, finding, I mean, who want to end. So I mean, our, for us, it was more to focus on a black township who wants to end and give them the digital skills so they can able to end now. But with the COVID now, we are also now focusing now from as age, as early age as 10 years now, from coding courses, from mathematics courses, on from financial literacy, because we could see we are missing out a big time. Even over above 35 now to 65, it's more on the guys that comes in. So we cut across now in terms of the offering. Yeah, that's amazing, especially because, yeah, if you can catch, I mean, kids these days, they're, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, based on what you're saying, I mean, it's such a world of a difference, but I see kids these days here in the US that are having a, an iPad or a computer at the age of four or five years old and they're playing around with it and they know how, how to work it. So I think kids are definitely smart enough and can adapt to the technology and can learn. So the, the younger they get access to it, I think, um, it'll have such a huge impact in their lives. And even the even above that age group. Yes, well, I was going to say that what's surprising us, I mean, like with, I mean, it's been started this in August, in mid-August. Uh, what are surprising us in the last two months, it's like how the parents are so invested in their kids' education. They want the best in their kids. So mm-hmm. they bring them, I mean, after school. So they come two hours a day from four to six every day come and attend. And the parents are saying that they want more. They want my kids to be preoccupied, to be involved, to do something that um, they're not. So it's just like how we've kind of transformed the, the parents now to make sure that they are part of their kids' education because they want their kids to get the best and become the best. And they invested so much in terms of their education. Right. And how are schools being conducted right now uh, during COVID? I mean, um, if you're saying that most people don't have access to online education and, uh, you know, obviously during lockdown and that whole phase of the last few months, um, have schools in those regions and those townships gone fully digital or are they not able to because of the lack of technology and infrastructure available? And how are they conducting schools right now? No, I mean, it's, it's, it will be a huge cost even from the government, they can't afford it um, to make sure that every class has mm-hmm. a device in the class or the, the kids at home, they can I mean, access it to the device. So when, from when lockdown happens in March, so it was, I mean, most of the kids in the township, they could not able to access to education until beginning of August. So they've lost almost five months of their conduct. And, and even now, they're back at school now. By level two now, probably level one. They are break at school now. So what is happening now? They come in kind of like they rotate now. So probably three grades will come these three days, next three days, three grades, so that they can observe social distance. But they are still losing a um, huge time of conducts with their, um, their teachers now. But it's it's a very difficult, and I think it's going to be um um yeah that is going to be lost i mean mean, this is like where and i don't see another way that they can do it beyond um the way it's happening and we've got many cases of schools being closed because of like i mean there's some i mean 
um, infection that take place in the school. So it's 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 better. I think if the education can realize that the quicker they realize in terms of moving remotely and digitally, the better. But unfortunately, it comes at a cost that is huge cost that makes sure that we have every child with a device. But if that can happen, we can transform Africa. Oh, yeah. And I had an interesting conversation the other day about having access to technology is one thing, but to actually educate the student is another thing, right? Because you can put computers in a classroom, but there's a there's a, a learning process that needs to take place, an instruction from a good instructor or a methodology to allow that student to be able to understand comprehend and really learn that entire process so um and you had mentioned that the parents are taking such a vested interest in educating their kids especially the younger kids and starting them early just having them do anything so within your training centers do you have um how does that work exactly because uh you know it might be their first time or first interaction with the computer uh with some of the the technology and advanced trainings that you're showing. So uh, what is that process like and how are your staff members and your instructors trained to train others? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we've got in all our centers, I mean, we've got a training facilitator. So we have adopted the, initially it was facilitator-led before COVID. It was more like facilitator-led and conduct the training now. So we've, 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 we've I mean, moved, with the blended now. So the blended is more, um, there's a facilitator in who understand the concept, context, and also the language. So we can be able to assist students. So students will come with the headphone and they will kind of like um, able to plug in and then there's a, there's a lesson that comes in and then there's a video that goes through. The student have a problem, the teacher have a problem, I can't understand this, can you assist me? Teacher kind of like, and the students they're going on their on their own pace in a, in a, in a, in the pace where they having some 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 centers they don't have even students don't have earphones so what we'll do we'll have a projector with the speaker and then we project on the projector in terms of the content they will go through they will do it and then there's an um, audio there's a visual there's a simulation also there's a quiz so we kind of cater for everyone and it's a combination of um, personnel, and I think that 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 that, that uh, hand holding and personnel is very important because you could have amazing content. Because content is not a problem. I mean, like if you go to Google or LinkedIn or Facebook, you put so much content that you could utilize and use it. And but it's not been used. I mean, like it's like Microsoft with amazing content, it's not been used. So you need kind of a um, a human. I mean, um, assistance that it will tell you now you need to move to that area or now. It's kind of like, and some, I mean, like, we've seen even the kids at 10 year old at encoding, they never touched computer before. They don't know the kids. So before you kind of like go out, I mean, dealing with a phobia where there's kind of a fate, you show them they are comfortable and there's a confidence in terms of doing it. And then they are kind of, I mean, after they've got it, they, they will kind of I mean, become easy for them. So that's what makes us to be different, that blended approach. And so when these kids go through that training, and they have their CV, they've got their resume, they're ready to go. And where do they typically land the jobs? 
and who is hiring them? Are they within the townships themselves or are they having to go to some of the major cities to get a job? And do you think that's going to be changing from today and onwards because maybe there's remote jobs available? I mean, can you go through a little bit about the remote job availability as well in, within South Africa? No, I mean, it's, um, um, in it, I mean, before COVID, I mean, the, the jobs were more on the call center, telecommunication, the retail space, the government department, the banking. So that's kind of it. I mean, where, especially in the Western Cape, where we, there's a huge, I mean, drive of the call centers. So there's a huge need of young people to work in that uh, aspect. I think there's going to continue having that um, aspect. We see there's um, also is going to be some need for small business, small medium businesses, individual. I'm running my own business. I need someone who's got skill on digital marketing, someone who can assist me in probably technically. I mean, like, so we see that. Also, we see that there's a next big thing is going to be entrepreneurship, that there's going to be some startup businesses that are going to come in that guys start their own thing because of they cannot find them employment. And then you are going to see some interesting, I mean, like um, uh, development around big data, data and, and AI, where these young people can also offer skills that they can come in and able to assist that. Um, um, so there will be some kind of like collaboration that will take place for, for, for that. But I, I, I still believe that the two key things that are going to be opportunity it's, it's it's a skill-based course and um, there are shorter courses and then it's entrepreneurship drive that probably from Africa that both this I mean times are presenting much more opportunities that probably you can get gig economies and you're going to have more guys who are kind of like um, able to work on their own and then they will be um, able to work anywhere anytime um, with the kind of opportunity that is going to come in. That would be amazing. And so could you go through a little bit more? Now I'm curious on the franchisee model. Uh, was that something that you had consciously decided to do and put in place? Or was it more because your staff member said, you know what, I really love this, but I need to go back to my own township and I need to do this. So uh, how did that come about? No, I think maybe, I mean, like it's, I mean, I think it come based on the growth of the business. So by first funding that we received, it was 2008 from UK TBN, and they are familiar to open the stores. And then the second funding we received from Bertha Foundation, like a philanthropic, French, I mean, philanthropic foundation that we get the funding. And then third funding, we, we realized that these two funding to grow very quick, through loan is very difficult because you have to pay interest. And then we realized the third funding that we can do something creative. We can um, work with the funder. And then we look for, for we look for a funding of five million, and then we said on the funder we will identify staff members. They will get an opportunity to um, to have franchise. So we we'll sell existing franchise with us. An opportunity to run the franchise. Mm-hmm. So the staff members will own 30% for the next three years. We still own, so we can hold, hand hold them. And before that time, we didn't have processes, structures, and legal in terms of like um, manuals. So we, we just like say, we'll hand hold them in three years' time, we'll build up a better way around the franchise. So we started with the three staff members in 2004. 
by 2017-2018, they were in a space now that we no longer handhold them. They can go to the funder looking for funding to pay them the 50%. So they went, they were given funding for 50%. Some of them, they 100% now, they pay the loan, they finish the loan now. So we went to different areas and we saw some individuals who were running the cafe. We've converted their cafe using our model and they invested in that and then we have 50%. We introduced them to the funders to fund them so they can own um, that now. So we managed to get about eight of our staff members. I mean, with the conversion, we had more numbers. I think we've got, we had 12 numbers, but others, they fall, I mean, around crack and then we end up like, we're sitting at 20, we end up with 16 now. Because it was more in the beginning, we have many lessons to learn. Lesson learned, I mean, when you go to franchising, you must have processes in place, structures in place, legal agreement in place, and also you must make sure that you, you have a good support and relationship with the franchise. So we've learned a long way in terms of like, um, I mean, if you go out, personal. so in franchising, it was more assisting us to scale to be everywhere. It was a way to get funding for us right. to kind of like to share. And we've seen with us again with the COVID that um, the resilience in the in our franchise, because we also face some challenges that the month of April, we've lost revenue, so we didn't make any money. So to come back, really? it was like huge stress for everyone in terms of how we're going to survive, how, and we could see from there that the, the branding, that the brand that we have, and also the resilience of us even from the staff member that we have, that we able to pivot and support and work together. And we could see that, I mean, all this investment it pays us when people are in a common um, vision and know what they want to achieve. Wow. And so could you, let's just say, I'm, I mean, for example, I am, um, I've been in a franchisee model uh, or within a franchise model as a franchisee. Could you walk me through how that would work right now from, you know, you say you have the processes in place, you have the system, you have that infrastructure within your organization to help that franchisee. So I'm an investor. I'm, you know, let's just say in this real situation, I'm, um, I wouldn't be able to actively participate, but there's a staff member that is really uh, enthusiastic and wants to do it within their own city or into a new, into a new township. And I can be a funder or some sort of equity partner. How do you walk through that new, let's say it is a staff member or maybe somebody um, brand new comes to you and says, hey, I want to start my own location. How do you walk them through that process and what are the tools that you enable them with so that they can be just as successful as the 45 other locations? No, I mean, like, it's, it's an interesting question because we're busy now with one of them in the process of the, there's one of the staff members now is going to be probably within an end of this month will be, I mean, um, okay. taking over one of the stores. Um, so we kind of prepare individuals in terms of like we identified key individuals because they must fit in a profile, fit in the values. It's not all about money, it's just like make sure that um, when we give you a brand and um, you're able to live up to them. So we can look at it in two ways. So we can look at existing or the new person comes outside, never been part of us, never worked with us, 
doesn't know our values. So we say for the 21 days to a month, you will come for the first week for induction. So spend time with me in the office. I'll go through and with you what we stand for, why we exist, what our vision, what our mission, what our value, and then what's our strategy, what are we doing. So I'll go through that week in terms of head office. Two weeks, we will send first week in the store, work in the store. And so you send in the busy store where things are hectic. People are expecting you to work in that store now. So we can experience. And then second week, you still, I mean, different store that you can experience and get and, and, and understand the, the customer satisfaction, the business and the people and psyche and the value. I mean, the last week, we'll come back in the office. I mean, we'll probably do an assessment to say, I mean, how, how are you, where things are, I mean, how. And then after that, I mean, we, we've done already, let's assume we've done the identifying the location, we look at in terms of the supplier to do the store, in terms of that. So from there, then, then we can able to allow you to come in stores. I mean, we've done already been also looking at able to do the financial projection, the numbers in terms of how we anticipate that you able to revenue will come in from the marketing, from the launch. We'll probably launch it officially and say this is a store that is going to take place. And we, I mean, the operations, I mean, everyone supporting you and the manpower. If you want, I mean, us to assist you to getting the right people from the existing so they can staff with you, work with you. And then we want you. Only thing you're looking for you now, you invested, you must be owner, manager, you must be hands-on. Mm. You must drive it because the success, and then we've seen even on, on our stores that the franchise are doing much better than our stores. So you cannot able to focus on things, you must be hands-on and around that now. So what we do, there are two things now. There are funders who are funding based on the loan. They will give you a prime plus one, they will give you now. I mean, also we open up now, the equity partner. So I'm kind of starting partner, I'm investing here, and then I'm not going to be involved. So I've got there my kind of guys that's going to be, so you know that part of the equity, part of that, there's a partner that comes in now. We are not yet done anything around that, but I think it's something we're open around in terms of um, funding, giving opportunity for that. <laughs> I, c- I could be here first. You've already sold me. <laughs> You've already got me, so... That next staff member. We have to engage and understand the model so we're closer and then see how 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 we can unpack it that, 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 that way. Otherwise we, we that's that's how we can able to And so you're you're saying about um, the funders can provide it at Prime. What is Prime right now in South Africa? We 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 probably we are far higher than even US now. We probably we reduced the interest right. rate by four percent, but we're sitting at seven percent. So interest rates are seven percent. It used to be eleven percent. Okay. It's like expensive wow. here. Debt. <laughs> I mean, like you're talking about one percent, zero percent. It's 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 seven percent. Right. So it probably you pay eight percent on the interest. And there are some kind of like funders who even charge between one percent. It's like so impossible. Like, but that's that's how the banks wow. and then how like yeah. And out of your out of your all your locations, you you just mentioned that your franchisees are doing better than your um, your own stores, your corporate-owned stores. So that is truly because, um, is it, do you think the bandwidth? Because there's only one of you and you've got your dozens of other stores, whereas them, your franchisees, I'm assuming everyone has only one store and they're focused in on that individual store and um, trying to drive it or what, what do you think? It, it's a mindset. 
um, and also ownership. So, I mean, if you own think it's yours, you are part of it, we we'll make sure that you do everything in our power to make sure that you, you right. succeed. But if you're employed by, by even if you're amazing, you have a great store, you will do on average. So I'm getting paid for this. I'll probably give it and I'll probably give it. So even our store that we have, probably 70% are doing okay and 30% are not doing okay. And it's not about location, it's about individual because it's kind of like individual that are driving in now. So once, and we've seen that some of the guys, once they become like owner, manager, they change, they take responsibility. They know that um, no one's going to pay them at the end of the month. It's their business and they have to work with it. So once they see money, they will want more. And the beauty also with the franchise is like, it's, it's just like you, every area is different. So you might find out in your area that you need to work with the stakeholders, which is like government or big businesses in your area, and they need look for training, you've got a facility, you go out and tender and partner, and you bring opportunity to us. And then the value comes to you because you bring opportunity in terms of that. Whereas if I'm a staff member and then I'm in this area, I will do what I've been asked. I will wait for customer to come for me. I won't be hungry to make sure that I build. So the franchise, I mean, they done amazing to extend that part of the networks and the contact that we have is true franchise. So they will say, even on the research I mean, graduation ceremony that we have in every six months for the student that comes from, uh, from, from our training, you find the mayor of the town comes in. So I cannot even have access to that mayor. No, this mayor. And these guys, they have, because they kind of localize. So the local context is key because they understand the dynamics of the area that I cannot able to understand right. what's in the community. Right. That's amazing. Wow. And those, uh, those local areas, so you're kind of taking ownership of that environment. You know, I'm the franchisee. I know my town this is my city i'm helping the local the local community i know the government officials i know the the formal institutions of uh, higher learning or a school universities the businesses maybe i can support the kids to directly go from my training to those um, businesses and to get a job directly um how in terms of during this expansion and even during the earlier days was the government involved or not involved? And within South Africa, how does that work? You know, you're starting a new location, getting permits, approvals, all of that. Is that, is that a fun process? No, no, no. We, we, I mean, I, I used to have an issue with that. I mean, I started, I mean, because we are social enterprise. We, we make difference, we make money. Um, we, we bring connectivity, we're skilling young people. We bring business opportunities, and by virtue of what we do, we assume that government will partner with us because, like, what we are doing, mm -hmm. and it's in line with government in terms of supposed to be doing. So we never had any good dealing with the government, um, and so we never any have any programs. In fact, I kind of say at some point that I mean, let's forget the government for now. Let's build this model. Let's be bigger. So government will come late and they will pay a higher price for that. So that's kind of attitude. So what they've done, which is great, not from a funding. So what they've done, so South Africa, they've got um, a policy called broad-based black empowerment. 
So which means that on the BE, there's five pillars that is companies, any big company, they have, to, they have to look at from ownership, they look at from the procurement, look from the skill development, look from the CSI um, and, and, and enterprise development. So we benefited from the telecom companies through the enterprise development. So they have to spend 3% of their turnover to supporting small, medium businesses or business that procure in okay. that aspect. So that policy for us, we, we benefited with like partnering with Vodacom, Telcom, Celsi in terms of like um, um, getting um, value, even funding from this um, policy that comes in. So it's an opportunity for an entrepreneur to see and exploit that um, in terms of how can we partner with the big telco um, through um, become a distributor for them or through uh, become a channel with these telcos or through um, become an agent that can work with this kind of telcos. So we've done with the Vodafone, I mean, we assisting small businesses when they want to connect on fiber, they can come to us and then we can connect. So it's smaller BNBs, uh, smaller radio station, and then they are kind of connecting through us. And then through that, we get a passive income that comes in through, 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 through that. And I think it was true and um, broad-based. So in a way, from the government directly, there's nothing, but from the, the policy point of view, we I mean using that as an opportunity. And so going back to some of your store locations and your franchisees, what is, um, for an individual, like you said, the staff member coming to you right now in that process, what are the startup costs to be able to get it up and running and to expand to a new location? And I know you've got the various avenues of equity partner, the funders, and then yourselves um, who are also assisting in that funding. But uh, financially speaking, because that can be a huge burden, how do they, what is, what does that look like? What are the numbers? So, I mean, like the numbers, I mean, like it's probably minimum, I mean, we could pay about half a million to start at 3,000, 750 to half a million that you could pay for the center. Um, so it's like that. What would that be in dollars? It's probably not even 7,500,000. It cannot be $100 to a million. Lesser than $100. It could be seventy five or dollars $80, $80, that you could do the center. could be mm-hmm. that amount. Okay. And so... You, you you pay for um, setup costs in terms of like the um, additioning, pay up from the putting the PC and also aircon and branding and the launch, and then that amount also consists the working capital for three months. You also investing in terms of the businesses like in a portion that you pay itself, um, and then we take eight uh, percent for re- uh, royalties. And we also take 5% for marketing. So marketing is aside from that. So in total, on the turnover, we take only 13%. The rest becomes yours. So that's how all our franchises are, are profitable because it's, it's kind of fairly incentivizing. And uh, to start up, there's no initial fee to to the franchise? Or- no, no, no. I mean, out of like, let's say 750, say 7,000. So 500,000 is like setup cost. Hundred thousand would be uh, okay. working capital. For us, we probably take a hundred thousand. So that amount, hundred thousand, we okay. use it for 
accreditation, compliance, the training. So we fund that amount here. And then typically, uh, does the franchisee come in and put in their own capital? Because you, you mentioned kind of a 30-70 split. So does the franchisee come in and put in 30% of their own money that they've saved for uh, the years working for you and then the remaining amount through these other financing methods? Yeah. So from a staff, even individuals, I mean, like, so those conversion, I mean, they put their own 50%. They go and ask for, 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 for a loan to be 100%. The staff members initially, when we're funding the 50%, they were paying 10%. So they will pay 10% of the 50%, and then they will have to go in the bank, personal bank, and then get the money, and then they, they, they pay it. If they can't, and we see there's a potential, we could loan it and say that we're loaning you 20%, and then once you're in the position of the business, you could pay us back. So the funder probably can pay 80%. But in the beginning, because you're not able to afford, because you're not in the good books with the bank, or you're not can afford this kind of like amount, then within a year or two, once now you are in the position, you can pay back twenty percent as a loan that we're giving. So, if they're doing about ten percent of the original fifty percent, let's say you have fifty-fifty split with the franchisee and the franchisor, then um, out of that fifty percent, they're only putting about ten percent. So they have out of the whole business, maybe 5% of their own cash and the remaining 45%, let's say a bank loan, remaining 50% equity partner with the, or actually a loan partner um, with you guys. And then slowly they'll work off both loans. And how long? It's a three-year arrangement. It's a three-year arrangement that in three years' time, you, 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 okay. you have been funded for 50%. But we wanted to make sure that it was the, the, the first three years, if you have staff, there's um, risk that we do together. It was surety we put together and in that regard now. But we want you now to ask for loan on your own. So in three years' time, most of the stores that have been run, we, we give you most of the stores that are breaking even. So if we're breaking even this store, um, we, we give those stores. Like, this is the store that... But you'll be surprised within two to three years, that store... They will double the revenue because of the energy and the drive that comes. They double the revenue. So by the time they look for the next 50-50%, within a year, they instead of six years to get the stores, probably four years, you'll be in the portion, even three years if like you are trying, like you'll be in the portion that you are um, in that store that becomes yours. A hundred percent, even without the bank loan? Or would they still have the bank loan after three, four years? What what happens is just like when you, 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 you run the, 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 the business and you see the returns are coming very quicker, and it's easy for us to say, we don't have to even wait for the next three years. It's easy now to go to a funder. Margin account are saved. But mm. I mean, we started this and it's worth, I mean, so mm-hmm. you could fund that 50%, but they paid you upfront the 45% that we funded them quicker. So if you could fund them mm-hmm. the next, I mean, 50% within maybe 18 months or 24 months, then, then you get the loan quicker. Just like it's a structure that makes it comfortable. You don't have a pressure. You know that we are here with you. But I mean, with that 50-50, it was more in the beginning when we started. We're no longer driving 50-50 now. So it, it probably has to be your, because if 50-50 now, we have to mm-hmm. share the risk. It's like, we still involved on this thing. Right. So I was, that's why we kind of like, 
move away because it was more in the beginning when we started the business. Now, if if you if you come in now, you put twenty percent, ten percent, then the funding will probably eighty or ninety percent. So, Lavoya, what's your background? Uh, when you you said you were a teacher, can you take us through kind of your early beginnings and how you had started? And you mentioned you went to the U.S. That's the first time you had actually come across a computer. So. Uh, was that for schooling and, and whatnot? So could you take us through a little bit of the early days? My, my mother used to run a shibin, run a small uh, tavern. So I used to ask my mother selling and, and, and dealing with customers and suppliers. And then when I went to university and I ended up doing teaching. Um, and I spent three years being a teacher and then I, um, and I was teaching accounting business economics. So after that, and I saw the need, and I started to I mean, focus on Siguro. And then I started further through, through business. Like I graduated school business. And I went to UCT, get like um, a mini MBA. And then I continuously pursue um, learning. So I was involved in many aspects. So I was named as one of the young 10 most influential young person in the world. And I was also awarded by the World Group Forum as the one of the global social entrepreneurs. I was, I mean, I mean, every year South Africa I've been organizing awards, I mean, from, from being productivity company, fast moving company, and impactful companies so are part of the Endeavor, part of the EO, part of Tenrai, and I'm part of the global kind of like communities in terms of the, the trip. I mean, I went some study also to in Harvard in, in, from two years back, uh, system leadership, so I've been exposed in kind of like um, a different, so I bring both of in local, being on the ground, but also understanding in terms of how, how globally, I mean, things are kind of working now, but I kind of like spending much more time in, in the ground where I believe that the only thing that we can do from African point of view and South African point of view, give people ownership so they can own and run and let them and see from there how support them behind the scene, make sure that they have been feeling supported. That's how we can transform the country, our country of individuals, that's how we can make money, by having money which is much more impactful. Yeah, empowering others to be able to do it and expand your your vision that you've had for all these years. But thank you so much again. I mean, that was just amazing. I mean, your, your journey of uh, starting 16 years back as a teacher and then that entire process and progression over the years self-funded throughout and so i love how with the franchisee model and how your own staff members are going and expanding that vision because they feel it passionately so passionately themselves so absolutely love that and i think uh when you do open that up for equity partners do let me know because i will i will be first in line so i think we are in the in the very interesting space now and then there's so much opportunity in Africa and um, digitally it's uh, I mean, nothing else that you could probably do to unlock more opportunities. So um, we are also in a different phase of growth now. So we look out now for different different partners that will come in mm-hmm. to I mean, allow so many um, of the people, to, I mean, our people to I mean, access to, to funding, to skills, to network. And, and yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that can unfold. Thank you so much. Pretty excited too. Thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. Please do leave a comment on your thoughts about today's episode. 
and make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest on the Global Ouge. Or if you already have, please share with a friend that you think might enjoy.